Man, what a, what a great day it's been at Passion City Church. You know, we're in this series called um, A Matter of Life and Death, and it really is that. Every single one of us is living in the tension of that today. And for you and me, it's um, a matter of life and death. And what hangs in the balance of whether it's life or death is how we respond to the gospel, what God is wanting us to see that he's done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And I love today at Passion City Church, people have come from death to life at Passion City Church today. 10 o'clock, 1230, both gatherings, light bulbs have gone in the Jesus is life wall today of people who said today is the day that I found what I was looking for and I figured out what I was looking for was Jesus. And Jesus the whole time has been looking for them as well. Tonight we're talking a little bit about heaven. And my assignment tonight is to help all of us expand our appreciation, longing, and desire for our home in heaven because that's where we're headed. And what I would love to walk away with today and what I would love for each of us to walk away with, I believe God would want each of us to walk away with, is this idea more firmly planted in our hearts today that heaven is better. Heaven's better. Heaven is better. Not better than hell. We already know that, right? Because that's not a hard question. I've never been anywhere before and had a serious spiritual conversation with somebody and said, would you rather go to hell or would you rather go to heaven? Would you be separated from God or united with God? Would you rather be in a place of hopelessness and lifelessness or would you rather be in a place that is filled with life and filled with hope forevermore? People are like, okay, if those are the options, I'm leaning towards heaven right now. But that's really not the message tonight. The message is that heaven is better than earth. I'm just going to let it sit for a minute, just see what happens. I'm curious to know if uh, you agree with me. That's about what I thought. I think it's about a third, yes, for sure, a third, I'm thinking through, and a third, I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm not, I know there's something there. I just don't know how much better it is than earth. I mean, how much better can it be than what we've already experienced and seen and all the amazing things that are part of this earth? I want to take some time today and I want to talk about the fact that heaven is better so that we can get over our fear of death, which I know to some degree we're always going to have that because it's a natural protective mechanism for humanity, but it's not something to be feared. It's not something to be dreaded. Heaven is a doorway into the wonder of God that he's preparing for you and me, and that wonder is better than what we've experienced here. So whatever you like about earth, it's better. Whatever you're afraid to say goodbye to here, it's better. Whatever you've experienced here, it's better than that, and we should be excited about about the possibility of getting there. Not so much clinging on to this earth like it's the best thing going that we're ever going to experience in all of our lives because it's a prelude to what God is going to do. I ran into Lecrae in the airport uh, this weekend. So you know Lecrae? How many of you don't know Lecrae? That was kind of a weird for a few of you. Lecrae is a, a Christian artist. He's a, a rapper, and he lives in Atlanta, Georgia, so he's the pride of Atlanta, Georgia. He's probably the hottest Christian artist alive right now. He released a new album just uh, a few days ago. That album landed at number one on the iTunes uh, music chart. Not Christian, not gospel. Number one album on iTunes, which is a great thing for a Jesus-centered record, right? And then, as the results came in later in the week, Billboard Top 200, number one Billboard album this week, Lecrae in his debut number one album. And then, on top of that, on top of that, he appears Thursday night on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, which I know you guys don't watch TV, probably fast on Thursdays, but on, on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, which is arguably the hottest show on TV right now, maybe, possibly. I don't know if that's, if that's true or not, but I don't watch a lot of shows, but that show's pretty good. And um, Lecrae's on there, sitting in with The Roots, and The Roots are playing Lecrae tunes in between the segments of Jimmy Fallon. And I said, what was it like? He said, it went good, and he invited me back. I'm thinking, that's, that's a good week right there. Number one album on iTunes, number one Billboard 200 album at your debut on The Tonight Show, NBC, 
with Jimmy Fallon, and you're representing Jesus the whole way. I said, Lecrae, man, you've had a phenomenal couple of weeks. We're so proud of you and so excited for you. That's amazing. And he goes, you know what, man? Only as Lecrae can. Lecrae is cool when he's just standing there, which is pretty amazing. And so he kind of gives me a little Lecrae, and he backs up a little bit with that hand wave. And he's like, you know what? It is amazing, but it's only hors d'oeuvres for heaven. It's only hors d'oeuvres for heaven. He says, it's only hors d'oeuvres for heaven. (laughs) And I said, yeah. That's the difference between a preacher and a rapper right there. Um, and I, said, I, I walked away. I was like, thank you, Lord, for that. I'm just going to steal that and put that right in my message this weekend. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I needed to give Lecrae credit for it. So that's how it all came out. But this is the idea. The idea is that if your number one Billboard album, your number one iTunes album, and you're sitting in with the roots, all that is amazing as it is favor of God, blessing of God, kindness of God, the influence of God for the kingdom of God. All that is like a guy walking around with a tray with some little things on it that we don't even know what they are. And we have to have somebody explain to us what it is. And then we're like, I'll have one. Oh, mm, oh that's, that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. He said, all this amazing is just the hors d'oeuvres. Because where we're going... It's better. It's better. Man, I love that. I love that because you would expect to come in here if you were in the lows and you would say, you know what, I'm down on the lows right now and I'm longing for home and I'm sort of wanting to get out of this place because it's not working for me right now in heaven, man. Let's talk about heaven. But this guy's at the heights. This guy's crushing it. This guy is dominating in his zone. And he's got what everybody who's doing what he's doing wants. Not just the Christians. He's got what everybody wants. And he said, it's just hors d'oeuvres for heaven. Because heaven is better. You know, I remember when I was a young speaker, uh, I'd go anywhere. And I was so excited. I got invited to Juneau, Alaska when I was about 30 years old to preach at a youth conference, and I mean, I was fired up. I was living in Texas at the time, and going to Alaska, I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's my first trip to Alaska. It's part of the 50 states, but it's not connected, and that was cool, and so we were, we, I got on a plane, flew like crazy to Juneau, Alaska. We had the event. That event was incredible. That night, we went to dinner after the event, and the youth leaders from this event, we all went to dinner, me and about six or eight people, and we're sitting in this pizza restaurant in this small second story. I can remember it pretty much like, uh, like we were there. I remember driving in the parking lot, North Normal mall parking lot, not like a big giant mall, but sort of like a Juno mall, and um, lights everywhere in the parking lot. We walked in and went up to the second floor of this pizza place. So we're on the second layer of this, this pizza place, windows all looking on the parking lot. As we sit around the table, my back is to the window. We order the pizzas. We're just getting into the pizzas, and I was starving, so this was really good. And um, I was like, yeah, this is a great night. We're all sharing. And the guy sitting across from me, I can remember the look on his face. He looks over my shoulder, and he sees something. I don't know exactly what, and he's just like, I see his countenance change and he goes oh wow and he goes let's go and I mean he just puts his pizza down on the plate everybody scoots their chairs back because they know what just happened I don't have a clue what's going on everybody gets up as if they've all been wired into the same information and we are rushing out of the restaurant I mean food's on the table drinks on the table check hasn't even come yet I'm like man I, I knew teenagers did this occasionally but I didn't know like youth workers did I mean this is crazy you know so we're like blowing out of the restaurant not paying down the stairs and I'm just trying to catch up you know I'm like hey 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 where are we go- what's going on he goes the light lights, man, the lights. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, the lights. What's up with the lights? We get in the car, doors closed, car cranks, wheels bend as we back out, start driving out of the parking lot, down a road to the edge of Juno, which doesn't take real long. We get to the edge of Juno, we start going down this road, turn on another road. Now we're on a dark, narrow road going nowhere in Juno, Alaska. And I'm like, where are we going, man? Because I'm thinking, maybe this is the way it all ends, you know, right here in, in Juneau, Alaska. And where are we going? They go, the lights, the lights, the northern lights. And I'm like, what, the northern lights, the northern lights. What, what, the northern lights. We drive, and now I realize we're driving past a runway. I see the little green lights. Beep, 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 going down. A chain link fence, not a giant runway, but a little runway. We go to the end of the runway, past the runway, into where there's no light, no street light, utter darkness. Put the car in park. All the doors open. Everybody gets out. Doors closed because we want all the lights off. And everybody just stands and looks up into the dark night Juno sky. And I'm like, wow, that was pretty dramatic right there. (laughs) And about the time 
I'm wondering what's going on. The whole sky turned neon green. And it went. And then it went. And it looked like a curtain of green came down. And it went. It's like, wow. It's like, wow. What just happened? Have you ever seen the Northern Lights? Anybody in here ever seen the Northern Lights? Thank you. One, yes, you clap if you know what I'm talking about. You're like, yeah, I want to I shout, but you kind of backed down right there because everybody, you know, judged you and, and um, <laughs> you felt it. Okay, I, I got to condense, okay? I had read about the Northern Lights. I, I generally speaking knew what they were. I knew it had to do with the magnetic uh, energy between the sun and the earth, the different times of the year around the poles, obviously, of our planet. And I, I, I had a little bit of information in my head, but I had no idea what it felt like when the sky danced above your head. And as that happened, I began to like go crazy. I, I've never done a lot of drugs in my life. And... Um, Maybe that's why people have laughed at that all day. I, I've never done drugs, okay? I think I might have. Uh, I've been around them once when I was, like, really young. But I, I've never done drugs, so I don't know what that's like. But it must be like this. It must be like that night. Because, I mean, I went crazy and lost my mind. At some point, and I don't remember exactly when or why, but I, I'm kind of a runner when I get excited. I started sprinting up and down the road by the airport. I mean, as fast as I could run. I mean, just, and I could run fast back then. I mean, just like full dead sprint. Yeah! And I'd stop it. Back down the other way. It's all I knew what to do. And I mean, I am, I am orchestrating and, and responding and like, whoa! Oh, wow! Man. And I don't know how long it went on. Maybe uh, we were out there like 11 we got there, maybe midnight, 1 o'clock. And I mean, my heart was beating out of my chest. I, I'm, I, I, can, I cannot over-explain this to you. I felt things I've, I'm not sure I've ever felt before. I mean, I was enraptured. Losing my mind. And after quite some time, the frequency of the movement got greater and greater, or, or there's more gaps between what was happening, and then it got fainter and fainter, and eventually, you know, kind of like almost regrettably, we were like, okay, well, I don't know, let's just wait a couple more minutes. No, okay. No, let's just wait another minute. Just let's give it one, maybe they'll do one more. It's like, okay, okay, let's go. Then we got in the car, and all the way driving back down that road and back into Juneau, I'm just looking out the window like, come on, I bet they'll do one more. Got to my room, got right in my little hotel room. I'll never forget it. And I called Shelly. I was so wired up. I was like, oh, I got to call Shelly and tell her what just happened. So I got, you know, there's a phone by the bed. That's what you used to use to call people in the hotel room. And um, I got the phone out. And I, you probably don't, no one knows this, but you used to have like a, a little phone service you had, like your long distance, whatever. And you had to dial in the 800 number and then put your code in and then call the number you were going to call. You know, anybody, hello. And you're waiting for somebody. And Shelly finally, you know, Shelly sleeps pretty sound and finally it's like the, uh. and I'm like Shelly 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 it's me and she's like uh. and I'm like yeah you're not gonna believe this we we just saw like the sky lit up it was crazy it was like it was like green and and sometimes it was blue and then it was then it was bright green then it was like fluorescent green and then it was moving around and the, the whole thing would move from side to side and and then and, and then I realized I was in Juneau Alaska and she was in Texas and by the time I got back to my room it was about 2 30 in the morning and so it was about five o'clock where she was and I was so fired up and I realized now I was yeah hey, I'm sorry, honey. I love you. I'll call you tomorrow and tell you all about it. You know, bye. She never knew I called, which was awesome. <laughs> that was the good part of that. So the next day I said, oh, you're not going to believe what we saw last night. She said, tell me. I said, oh, the northern lights. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> My point is that you can go places on earth and have your mind blown. I can load us up on a, on a plane right now because the northern lights are fired up right now. There have been some incredible cre solar activity in the last couple of weeks, and there's been some amazing auroras. We could get on a big uh, charter flight and go up to Anchorage or Fairbanks, and we could see something that would absolutely make you weep. And we've lived our whole lives and never seen it.
And I think if you up that by a factor of a billion, 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 you're talking about the new heaven and the new earth that God has in store for you and me. And here's the main thing I want us to know tonight. Heaven is not worse than earth in any way. It is the best of earth on steroids in every way. It is better than this. Everything about it is better than this. Where we're going is better than here. It's better than here. God has more in store for us than we can imagine. Our text tonight, we're going to be kind of a little bit all over the place, but we got to get moving here. Our first text is going to be in Revelation, which seems like a fitting place as we're talking about heaven. The next to the last chapter of the book of Revelation in chapter 21. Because I would love it tonight if God could shift our hearts a little bit, shift your heart a little bit, so that heaven didn't end up for us as being a default choice. That heaven wasn't our default option. Well, I don't want to go to the other place, so I'm going to choose heaven. And I'm not that thrilled about it, so I'm going to defer my choice as long as possible. But by default, I'm going to choose heaven. I want us to, by choice, choose heaven. And I want us to not defer heaven. I want us to join Jesus in speeding up heaven if we can. By living the kinds of lives that will bring the gospel to all the people on earth in the shortest amount of time so that we can hasten the coming of Jesus Christ. Why is it that heaven is a default choice and why is it a future deferred for so many of us, even church people? I think it's because we just know a lot more about earth than we do about heaven. Most of the people here today, I would venture, have not heard 10 sermons on heaven in your lifetime. And so we've got to think about heaven, and and the Bible doesn't like lay it out in like a pop-up book fashion and say, okay, here's all the details in a way that you can understand. But we get hints everywhere about what heaven is like. I think another issue for us is that we, we can't see it, and we only operate best in things we can see. And so we have to ask God to do what Paul did, to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God so we can know him more. We've got to ask God to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can understand that there's more to this life than what we can see. And I think lastly, we defer heaven because we're really not that in love with Jesus. I think we're in love with the idea of Jesus sometimes more than the Jesus of Jesus. And if we were really in love with him and we knew he was in heaven, we'd be on a, on a fast train to heaven because we'd want to be where Jesus is. It's kind of like that Loretta Lynn thing, and I think Crowder made it a little more famous in our day, it, it, that phrase, everybody wants to go to heaven. Do you know this phrase? Everybody wants to go to heaven. You can stop anybody anywhere along the way and say, you want to go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but what? But nobody wants to die. Why? Because we're not sure heaven is better. And I want to offer a couple of reasons why heaven is better. The number one reason why heaven is better is because heaven is where Jesus is. Thank you, because I only have a couple of points. I don't have 99 more, and I moved the best one up to the top, so that's the best thing that we've got tonight. Heaven is better because Jesus is there. And honestly, that's all you need. You can can the crowns and the rewards and the, and the stuff and the new earth and the new this and the new experience and all the rest of it. You can can all that and just say Jesus is there and it'd be okay. That's all I needed to know. If Jesus is there, it's better and it's already better than everything I have here just because Jesus is there. Not, not like he's here. He's here wherever two or three are gathered in his name. He's in, he's in our midst right now. By, by the Spirit, he's in our midst right now. We're not talking about that. We're talking about revealed, fully revealed, where we can see and appreciate all of who he is. And that's the beauty of heaven. It says in verse 1 of chapter 21, Revelation, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So guess what's going to happen to this earth? It is going to pass away. This earth is going to pass away. And we always say that in the negative, like, you know, this broken down, polluted, um, climate, you know, challenged earth. 
with all of its issues, is going to pass away. But let's think about that on the other side. Let's think about the wonder of this earth, the beauty of this earth, the northern lights of this earth, the depths of the Pacific of this earth, the, the mystery of this earth, and all the things we enjoy about it, the Swiss Alps, and a sunset over the beaches of California, and Stone Mountain, and all the and other amazing things on planet earth. That was a joke, but it went right past everybody. Um, it is amazing, but I wouldn't put it in there with the Swiss Alps and the sunset over California, but maybe you would. So that's awesome. It's got Confederate war heroes right on the front of it, and that's pretty special to a lot of people and moves them in a deep and appreciable way. But, but, but let's think about the positive things of earth, and all of those things are passing away. The most beautiful thing you've ever seen on earth, like, no, oh, we're done. That's pretty incredible to think about it. That's the hope that's ahead of you and me. The first earth and the first heaven had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So when we get the description, new heaven, new earth, coming down out of heaven, out of God, the, the, the key phrase we get is, God will dwell in the midst of his people. And then you look a few verses down to the end. In verse 22, it says, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. When God is in the midst, that's going to be the reward and the prize of heaven. Jesus is there, and that's why heaven is better. Do you remember after the resurrection when some of the disciples had finally left the city on that road to Emmaus? Does anybody remember this story? And they're walking along, and suddenly Jesus comes walking with them and ends up uh, breaking bread with them, and, and they are not sure exactly what's going on because he's explaining everything that just happened. And then they say, after Jesus has gone, they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was walking with us and talking on the road? I love that because that's human. That, that's different than just, I believe in Jesus. I, I like Jesus. I, I think Jesus is a good idea. That is a personal connectivity to the person of Christ where he does something to us mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. He affects our lives. And that's the kind of Jesus it's in the center of heaven. And as we fall more and more in love with him every day on this earth, we long more and more for that day when we're going to see him fully revealed in heaven. That's what it says in John chapter 17. Jesus is teaching this about himself. It's beautiful. He's talking about heaven at the end of his life. And in John chapter 17, it begins this way. And after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. So he's thinking about heaven right now when he's praying this. He's already looking up to this better place when he says this. And Jesus knew how much better it was because of the price he was about to pay to get you and me to join him in this place. He says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. He might give what? What does it say he might give? He might give what? I want you to say it with me. Do you see it on the screen? He might give what? Eternal life. Did you know there's something also called eternal death? Because every being is eternal. So there isn't an option of they just drop off the radar forever. Every being is eternal. Everyone you know is eternal. Every spirit being is eternal. Every angel is eternal. Every demon is eternal. Jesus is eternal, and the devil is eternal. The devil will exist because he is a being. There's not a moment where he's just going to vanish from existence. 
When Jesus died, Jesus didn't vanish. Jesus' body slept when they put it in the tomb, but Jesus was fully alive in that moment. What happened to him? We sang about it tonight. He went down into the depths of the earth. That's what happened from Friday to Sunday. Jesus descended into the depths of the earth. His body is laying in a tomb outside Jerusalem, but Jesus himself has descended into the depths of the earth to conquer for us and win for us ultimate victory over all the power of sin, hell, and darkness. And so on the third day, he's called up out of the depths, rejoined with his body, just like we will be in the great resurrection. And then he appears to his followers. But he didn't go nowhere for a few days. He always existed. Even when he was dead, he wasn't dead because we're spiritual beings. So where do you think Satan's going to spend eternity? That's when people start thinking, well, maybe there is a hell then. Because that's where he would best be forever. And what Jesus is saying is, I have authority to offer eternal life. Everybody gets eternal. But I can give you eternal life. That means not that you're with us eternally, but that you are fully alive in the hope of God eternally. And then he says in verse 3, now this is eternal life. I think people want to know the answer to this question. What, what is eternal life? He said, this is eternal life, colon, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How beautiful is that? So it's not really the streets of gold. It's not really the crystal sea. All those things are a part of what John saw in the imagery of heaven. It's not really the walls that are studded with all the precious jewels. It's not really the, the cubits long and the cubits high and the cubits wide. All those things measure and, and are referencing the future we're going to. Here's eternal life. Eternal life is that you come into a relationship with the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's eternal life. And so that doesn't start when you die. That starts the day you meet God and the day you meet Jesus. That's where eternal life begins and that's why they say you are born again. And in that moment, could be in this building right now today, you start living in this moment and you continue to live all the way forever into eternity because he has given you eternal life as God has given him authority to do so. And eternal life is not some far away by and by thing where we're sitting on big puffy chairs and the angels are serving us all day long. Eternal life is a relationship with Jesus. And that word know doesn't just mean mentally know about. It means intimately have a relationship with. And heaven is better because the person that I love most is there. Secondly, heaven is better. I like this one. This is a gotta, you have to put your theological hat on for this one. Heaven is better because it's better. It's just better. You say, well, in what ways is it better? Well, it's better because it's real and not ethereal. Um, and a lot of people think, like we talked about a moment ago, that we're disembodied spirits floating around somehow, you know, in heaven with a lot of choir music going on. And if you're into choir music, then that's pretty fantastic. And there's harps being played and angels are fluttering around and it's just kind of all kind of weird. And uh, that's not really heaven. Heaven is real. New earth, new heaven. And that new earth is going to be like kind to this earth. So it's going to be something tangible that you can experience and enjoy. It's going to be a real place. So don't get in your mind that we're just going to be drifting along somewhere on the great clouds in the sky. It's a, a real place. It's a real physical place. And I think that speaks to us because we understand place and we want to be a part of place, right? And that's what makes heaven better. But this place has, as you go on to read in Revelation 21, we stopped at verse 3. But if you read on down to verse 4, you see some things that are true about this place. It says of him who's going to be our God that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
That's what's going to make heaven better is heaven's going to be better because in heaven there's no more death and death's a big uh, elephant in the room of life and we're concerned about it, we think about it and we talk about it and in heaven we won't be concerned about it, we won't think about it and we won't talk about it because there will be no more death in heaven. That's pretty amazing. There will be no more tears in heaven. Not sad tears anyway. Anybody shed any tears this week? Just a show of hands. You don't have to tell us the whole story, but maybe just a small part of it. Just maybe just a couple little snippets of what happened. No? Okay. Um, anybody? Any, any tears shed this week? Yeah, a few, few across the house. I mean, that's part of life, right? I mean, there's disappointment. There's frustration. There's heartache. There's brokenness. There's sadness. And all that's going to be gone in the new heaven and the new earth. There will be no more death, no more mourning. In other words, we won't be sad over things that are not the way should, they should be or sad over wanting to be a part of things the way that they are going to be. There, there won't be any limbo and no mourning in our hearts. We won't be carrying that spirit of, I wish I was home or I wish this was different or I wish I could change the circumstance. And there is no pain in heaven, no crying or pain, no neck pain, no back pain, no joint pain, uh, no migraine pain. There's no pain, there's no pain there of any kind to impede us in any way. Where we're going is better because it is better. There's no stress when you're not worried about dying and you're not worried about pain and there's no tears and heartache and brokenness there. It's better because it's better, and it's better because the enemy isn't there. He has been bound up and cast into the lake of fire in the verse right before we read this chapter. He's been pushed away forever and ever from us so that he has no hold on us, no sway on us, no deception over us, no temptation in our lives, no headwind for the things we're trying to accomplish. We're talking about life without our adversary, and that's what makes it better because we are living an adversary free life in heaven it's uh, beautiful and better because all the people we love who knew Jesus are there and that's what makes it better than here everybody who knew Jesus and died in Jesus is there and so your grandmother who you love so much she's there your husband he's there Oh, marriage isn't the same, Jesus said, as it is on earth. So those relationships are different in heaven. But that husband will be there, and you will know that husband there. And you will know that that was your husband there. And you say, well, it'd be better if we were just married all over again when we got there. And come on, let's face it. It'd maybe be better if we got an upgrade from that, and we got like the perfected version of marriage. And that's what we're getting. We're getting the perfected version of marriage. What does that mean? I don't know down to the last little detail. I just know there's nothing about heaven that's worse than what we have on earth. And if you've got a good marriage on earth, then you're going to love what happens in heaven because you're going to know that person. You're going to enjoy that person. You're going to have the benefit of the company of that person. And everything you share about that person is just going to be better than whatever it is that you share with that person now. We're going to have their, your sister that you, you, you've been missing and grieving and mourning. There, she's going to be there. And the people that we love so much are going to be a part of this forever future that we're going to, and that's going to make it better when we get to heaven. All the children who've died, the infants and the babies, the littlest ones and the unborn ones are going to be with us in heaven. And that's why it's going to be better, because God is going to have looked after every one of his creation. And in Psalm 139, it says, It is the Lord that knits us together in our mother's womb. We are the work of God, not simply the work of men. And God is going to take every one of those precious children, born or unborn, into his presence. And they're going to be a part of forever. And imagine the joy that is going to bring to heaven to have tens of millions of God's creation who never, ever got to light up earth, who are a part with their vibrancy of the forever of heaven. I love a, a little tip to this because people ask all the time, what's the age of accountability? When, when do children uh, come and cross over that threshold where they're accountable to the gospel and accountable to the things of Jesus? That's not clearly spelled out in Scripture. 
People say, well, what about infant death? Or what about infant baptism? Does that help? Or what about the faith of the parents? Is, is that an important factor? I'm, I'm just telling you, the Bible doesn't specifically in any place say, okay, here's the ABC of what happens to children. But when that's the case, you look at the macro lens of God in all of Scripture, and through that lens, you understand the pathway to go forward. And here's the pathway we go forward on. It's Jesus himself speaking and saying, let the little children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And you look through that lens. It's looking back into the Old Testament, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 22, and you don't need to turn there, but in this story, David has an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and a baby as a result of that relationship. So this is not really a God-blessed and God-ordained you know, moment. And as the baby is born, the prophet comes to David and says, the baby uh, is going to die. You're going to live, but the baby's going to die. And David begins to fast and to pray and to weep before the Lord and to plead for this child. But the, the baby, in fact, does die at the end. And it says at the end of the story, it's really interesting. The servants came to David and told him, the baby is dead. And so listen to what happened. Verse 20, and David got up from the ground And after he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped God. And then he went to his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. And his servants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. And I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me. And let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Listen to his conclusion. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. That's a beautiful picture, A, of God opening a little window of us seeing that babies and infants that are that die are in the presence of God in heaven. And it's also a beautiful picture for us of the hope that we have at the death of those we love. And so while we're contending, Lord, is, is it gonna, we don't know how it's gonna come out. We don't know what's gonna happen here. So we're praying and we're fasting and we're believing and we're standing and we're hoping and trusting. We're taking no care to ourselves. We don't need sleep. We don't need food. We're just in the gap, Lord, asking for your grace and for your mercy. But sometimes God in his sovereignty acts in different ways. We don't always know why. But when that person was alive in Jesus Christ and the moment comes that they die, we say, my heart is broken, but it's time to get up. Eventually, it's time to shower. It's time to get dressed. It's time to take some nourishment and time to take some food because while they were still living, I was interceding on their behalf. But now that they have died, they have gone on to be with the Lord and they can't come back to where I am, but I can go to where they are. And this begins to be the thread of hope for us that weaves a pathway for us to begin to walk back into our lives and back into health and back into wholeness, hoping and believing for the day that the better arrives for us and we end up in heaven where it is real, no tears, no stress, no fear of dying, no pain, no enemy. The people we love are reconnected. The children lost early in life are there and God is in the midst of us. Now, I don't know how it all works out because I, I don't think there's an em, embryo bank in heaven. I, I don't think we're going to get into heaven and there's going to be a wall of the tens of millions of, of babies that never took a breath on earth. But they're all going to be in heaven. And God is going to complete in them his promise for their lives and fulfill in them the destiny that he had for their lives. That's the psalmist when he says, the Lord will complete his purpose for me. Will they stay babies the whole time we're in heaven, like forever and ever, 10,000 times 10,000 years, and there'll just be a little baby there the whole time? And I, I don't know the specific answer to that. I, I, I can't imagine that that would be the case because God is going to progressively move us through eternity. And I don't know all of how that looks, but I know that God has a purpose and a plan, and I know that we'll understand all of that. And there's a, there's a lot of people we all know who've come near death and seen a lot of different kinds of things who could fill us in on their own, but the scripture doesn't give us a specific about that. And so we'll leave it into that gracious care of God who was knitting them together at the very beginning. 
and knowing that he's going to take good care of them. And he's going to do in and through them exactly what he purposed and intended. Amen. Isn't that powerful and beautiful? I'll tell you another reason why it's better is because you're going to get to work in heaven. What? That's the divider. That's the great divider of mankind right there. We're going to get to work in heaven. And some people are like, thank goodness. And other people are like, what? I don't want to work in heaven. I want to retire, die, go straight to heaven, straight to a big love seat. And I'm going to get propped up there with a big ottoman. And um, I'm going to have a couple angels fanning me. And I'm going to have a couple of other angels with like grapes. And they're just going to be standing there all day long with the grapes. And they'll be like, well, another grape? Another grape? Would you like another grape? How about a warm towel for your hands? No? Okay. Could I fan you a little bit more? You know, and some people are like, yeah, that's where I'm going. Just total chill the whole time. I'm on a beach lounger forever. And it's going to be incredible. The guy's just going to lap around the lounger. Can I get you something else? Can I get you something else? Could I get you something else? No, I wish he'd come back or I got to raise my little flag or he hadn't come back in a half hour. Could I get you something else? And other people are like, I would lose my mind if that is eternity. I really would rather stay down here a little bit longer than to go somewhere that would drive me crazy. Any of those people here that would drive you crazy? You know why it would drive you crazy? Because God has made us purposeful people. So even in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 1, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. It's perfect. It's, it, there's no sin. It's paradise. It's earth the way God intended for it to be. And they have responsibility. They have dominion. They have roles. They have work to do because God has made us in his image. And God is a working God. He's a creator. From the beginning, he's creating. What is creating? It's working And so God is a creator. We're made in the image of God to be creators, to be productive. And heaven is earth better. So earth is going to be like, like. And if earth now is about us fulfilling, about having purpose, about having gifting, about having aptitude, about wanting to accomplish things, that's what heaven is going to be like. It's just going to be the kind of work that when you get home at night, your back doesn't hurt and your knees don't hurt and your feet aren't killing you and your head doesn't hurt and you don't have to take a leave every single night so you can get to sleep to get up and go to work the next day because there is none of that in the perfect world there's just the fulfillment of work without the sweat of your brow and the toil of the earth that were the curse of the garden and it's going to be incredible and if you're a productive person you're going to love heaven if you like doing things and making things you're going to love heaven And I believe it's going to be filled with wonder and discovery. I don't think we're going to die and instantaneously know everything about everything. We kind of get that misnomer because we're going to be changed in the likeness of Jesus. When we see him, we'll be changed is what the scripture says. But I don't think being changed means we're all standing there going, yeah, I knew knew that. I know that. Uh I know all about that. I know all about that. Yeah, I'll never learn anything the rest of my life because that's not heaven for us. We love to learn and discover. And I believe eternity is going to be a process of discovering God, discovering his depth, his character, his beauty, how his plans all wove together. I mean, that could take a million years right there um, or two. And how to discover all the fullness of the new earth and all the new heavens. If you want to check out all the galaxies, you'll be able to do that. And um, if you want to get into the depths of the things we've never figured out on earth, imagine all the great mysteries that are still out there. The God particle waiting to be affirmed and discovered. And we've got an eternity to be able to understand what dark matter is and how the whole universe was made out of something we couldn't see and only just recently realized was there. And we've got an eternity of fulfillment, of work, of wonder, of responsibility, but not the kind that wears you down and wears you out, the kind that inspires you and makes you want to live because heaven is better. Thirdly and lastly, heaven is better because the mission is over. Don't you love it when you've accomplished something great? I mean, it could be small like mowing the lawn. Isn't that a good feeling? 
When you're just looking back over your work, anybody like that? Any good lawnmowers here? You know, there's some bad lawnmowers here, and you're just done. Put the lawnmower back in there, and people have to tell you later you missed that part right there and that over there, and you're like, I'll get it next time. But there's some good lawnmowers in here, and when you're done mowing the lawn, you just sit back on the porch and just admire your work, and you're like, that's pretty special right there. You call the family out, check it out, everybody. I did the crisscross today. Do you see the pattern going on right there? It's pretty special, right? I got all the lines exactly running parallel this way and perpendicular that way. We, we love accomplishment. We love being able to look back and say, the job's been done well. The project was done well. Um, I finished what I set out to do. I was able to, to get to the end result of what I was doing. We love that. And heaven is going to be better because in heaven, the mission is going to be completed. Because there are a few things you can't do in heaven. In heaven, you cannot pray in an intercessory way in heaven. So you will not be praying for your neighbor, praying for your friends, praying for your coworker, praying for a situation to resolve, praying for a country, praying for a nation, praying for a situation, calamity, crisis. There will be no intercessory prayer in heaven. So if you want to do any intercessory praying, you need to get going on that right now. There will be praise in heaven, but no intercessory prayer in heaven because you won't be looking at somebody else going, man, we just need to get you to heaven. So, oh, you're in heaven. Okay, great. We just need to get you. Oh, you are made in the image of Jesus now complete. We'll be done. So there's no intercessory prayer rooms in heaven. There's no sharing the gospel in heaven. So there will never be a day in heaven that we put a light bulb in the wall. There'll never be a moment where we say, if anybody here would like to put your faith in Jesus, we're going to pray with you. There'll never be that moment where you take that risk and take the shot and go out into no man's land with your coworker and say, I'm going for it today. You know what? I, we're getting to know each other, but I just need to tell you about Jesus because he's changing my life. There'll never be a conversation like that in heaven. There'll never be sweaty palms. We'll never be stuttering over our words like we all do. There'll never be that awkwardness like they're looking back at us like, I don't know what to say. And then we're like, I don't know what to say. There'll never be that in heaven. There'll never be that moment of going, I can't believe it. You're not going to believe it. They just put their faith in Jesus. Can you believe that? They put their faith in Jesus. We prayed. And then I took the chance. And then they said yes to Jesus. That was pretty amazing. We won't have any conversations like that in heaven. There'll be no giving in heaven to the cause of Christ. So if this giving thing we do in every gathering really annoys you royally um, and you are saved, which is possible that you're not saved if that really annoys you, but I'm just kidding. But um, if that really bothers you, then heaven, you're going to love heaven because there will be no giving in heaven. There'll be no giving moment. There'll be no giving out of our abundance. There'll be no choice of I'm going to spend this on me or I'm going to invest this in the things of God that last forever. That opportunity is now and that's going to be gone in heaven. And there'll be no compelling call to reach all the people on planet earth with the gospel when we get to heaven. The mission will be finished and all the people groups will be reached because Jesus said this gospel will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. Yeah. So listen, listen, here's a little, here's a little footnote to that. Don't worry about the email you're getting from the person trying to sell you a newsletter telling you when Jesus is coming because they don't know. Don't worry about somebody trying to scare you and saying, look, we had an earthquake over here and a war over here and a famine over here. And and today we've got this political situation going on. It's all adding up, people. It's going to happen in 2014. You need to buy my book and get my DVD uh, resources because I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to go. No, you just need to email them back and go, you don't know. You say, well, Louis, you're living in a false world because anybody can look around and see this is the end times. Yeah, why don't, why don't we read the end of uh, Revelation, read Peter, First and Second Peter. They thought it was coming down right there. Read the epistles. They were burning Christians for the joy of the Roman emperors. They thought it was over. And for 2,000 years, it's been teetering pretty precariously on the edge. And the scripture says only the Father knows that day that is appointed for Jesus to come. The Son doesn't even know that. So I guarantee you nobody else does. So what do we do is we say, thank you for your opinion. I appreciate that, but I'm not looking for your opinion because I already got God's opinion, and he said he's the only one that knows. So right now, I'm just going to get busy because right now I can pray, I can give, I can share the gospel, and I can reach people. And if the end comes when all the people get reached, here's what I think I might start doing. I might start trying to figure out how to reach all the people because that will hasten, as Peter says, the coming of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. And I'm not opposed to it on my heels, scraping and clawing to hang on to earth. I am leaning forward, looking to it. And if I can help it come faster by getting the gospel to people who've never heard it, I want to be a part of that because I want Jesus to come. You know why? Because I believe it's better where we're going than it is right here. And you know what? I think that answers one of these big dilemmas we have in life, which is the guy that always wants to bring up when we're trying to talk about our faith and talk about Jesus. You know that guy or that girl that always wants to bring up what? Well, I have a question. What's the question? I think you already know what it is based on where we are in the talk. What's the question? I have a question. What about all the people who've never heard of Jesus? What happens to them? Isn't that odd? I mean, we're, we're, we're right here, like heart to heart, over the table, me and you, my guts are on the table, your life is in shambles, I'm telling you how much God loves you and is for you, and I'm telling you what Christ has done for you, and now we're going to go, left turn, what about the people who haven't heard of Jesus? And it's an important question, not normally for that moment, because if you answer that question, very rarely do people get back on conversation. Okay, good. Thanks for that. Now, back, what were you saying to me again about my life and my faith? See, that, that's a philosophical cul-de-sac. And I, I don't know that trying to solve that with a person who asks me that is all that helpful necessarily. But I think it is helpful for us as people sitting at Passion City Church tonight to understand this, that the stakes are high for the people on planet Earth. So what is going to happen to the people who don't hear about Jesus? What about this answer? I know this isn't the answer we want tonight, but what about this answer? What about we go tell them about Jesus? And then they know about Jesus. And then we get out of the philosophical cul-de-sac and into reality. Because you can get on a plane, a bus, a train, a bicycle, a subway a dirt road trail and go to all the people on planet earth right now. He said, well, there's some closed countries you can't go to and talk about Jesus. Oh no, you can go there and talk about Jesus. You may get arrested, but then in the jail you can talk to them about Jesus. And I don't say that flippantly because people do that today. You may lose your life and that may be your loudest sermon. But there's nothing stopping Passion City Church from going and telling all 7,000 plus unreached people groups on earth right now representing billions of people about the story of Jesus. So, you know, somebody's like, okay, great, great, I, I, I agree with all that. What happens to the people who don't hear about Jesus? They, they have to give an account to the revelation that God's given them in their life. Romans chapter 1 18 and 19, since the very beginning of creation, God has made his divine attributes and character known to all people through his creation so that no one is without excuse. And so what lens do we look through again? We look through the lens of a fair God who gave his son for the people of earth. A, a God that we read in scripture last week desires that no one perish, but that all come to have eternal life. And through the lens of that God, we say, wow, Jesus, what is your answer to the question, what happens to people who've never heard the gospel? He says, my answer is to get off my throne and step into humanity and to go and serve them with my life and give up my life on a cross so that people can hear the story of salvation. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be raised up from the dead, out of the tomb, and I am going to tell my followers, here's the plan. Are you ready? I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples of all nations and I want you to teach them all the things I've commanded you and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and guess what? I'm going to be with you all the way on that journey and don't go till you get the Holy Spirit because he's going to give you the power to do what I'm calling you to do, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and where? To the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because I believe that people must hear the story of salvation. Okay, Louie, that sounds great too, and I'll amen that. But what happens to the person who doesn't hear? God will judge them. And you or I will not refute whatever God decides. Because God is God, and God is just and merciful 
and holy and fair. The question isn't, and I say this gently, if you live in a philosophical cul-de-sac. The question isn't, what about them? The question's, what about you? Because you have heard the gospel, which means you are accountable to the story of the grace of God in Jesus. So don't be concerned about them. Be concerned about you. Because this chapter ends the very last verse of Revelation 21, and it talks about who's not going to be in heaven. And then it says at the very, this last phrase, well, the whole last verse, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And heaven is better because Jesus is there. It's better because it's better. And it's better because the mission is finished. And we can sit back and look at what we have done with our prayers. Look at what we have done with our giving and been a part of in, com- in, in accomplishing God's purposes. Look what we have done as we've shared the gospel without regard to what people think about us. And look what we have done as the nations are gathered, as it says a few verses earlier, in all the tribes, and all the ethnicities, and all the beauty of earth, and all the land languages are gathered around the throne of God and we can say man thank you Lord that we were a part of this beautiful coming together of humanity to lift up and glorify Jesus Christ I don't know how you feel about that but I like to say it over and over heaven is not populated by English speaking white people it is populated more by people who speak different languages than all of us in this room right now English will be the minority language in heaven right now if we go give us another thousand years will dominate but right now it's not the majority language spoken on planet earth there will be lots of people in heaven speaking lots of languages from different cultures different tribes different races different tongues one jesus in the middle of us all glorious and reigning and beautiful and bright and fulfilling in every way in every way and it's going to be better when we get there because we'll go this was what we did this is what we did. This, God let us do this right here. When we gave and when we prayed and when we shared and when we went, we got to be a part of doing this right here. And that's why heaven's going to be better because this is going to be that great culmination of the mission that God's given us the privilege of giving our lives to on planet earth. Jesus said, and I close with this in John 9, you can read it, Verse 3 to verse 5, we're talking about this man that was born, that got healed. And Jesus said, we must do the works of my Father while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. So I pray that I won't get lulled to sleep while the sun is out. But I will really believe that heaven is better. And I'll face that way all my days. I was in New York on Friday. We took our youngest niece there for her graduation from college, two degrees, and um, proud. And uh, we were on Fifth Avenue, and we walked by the Apple Store on Thursday. People everywhere. And I was a little bit clued out because I'm just got heaven on the brain, been fasting and praying all day, every day. And I was like, what's going on at the Apple Store? And um, didn't compute till I saw the news that night. Eight o'clock Friday morning, the new iPhone is available in Apple Stores across America. So 11 o'clock on Friday, we happened to be going by the Apple Store again, headed somewhere else. And I couldn't resist bringing this back to you. This was what was going on. Apple Store, Fifth Avenue, 11 o'clock Friday morning this past week. This is what it looks like, New York City.
You're the last person uh, to be in? Yeah, right. Amazing. Uh, most of them didn't make it in. There was a lady out there with a baby stroller. There were people in wheelchairs, little kids, old people, and a lot of them didn't even make it to the door. I asked them, how long is it going to take you? They said, no one knows. I said, you don't know? No, no one knows. The Apple employees don't tell us how long it takes, and it's only been open three hours, and so we don't know. So the ones who didn't make it slept at the line, started again Saturday. You know, we're a hungry people. And we're all longing for something. And all those people were convinced that when they got inside the door, it was going to have been worth the wait. And I thought, man, we've got to wake up, right? And we've got to face forward. And we've got to lean forward and we've got to have this confidence that no matter what it takes and what that line is all about, we're going to lean towards heaven, knowing that when we step through the threshold of time and space into the presence of Jesus, and He is the prize, and we don't care about anything else except He is there. It's amazing that our loved ones are there. It's amazing that there's productivity there and beauty there and perfection there and wholeness is there and healing is there. But we, we step through the veil and it's like Jesus is here. And we run the race for his glory on earth and then we just fall into his arms. The very last thing we do as we step into the beauty that is so much better and we know when we get there, it's going to have been worth it all. And it is going to do in us what nothing else has fully ever done. And we're going to say, I got my prize. I got my prize. I got it. And it's worth it in the end.